The following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You've got intentional foul for this week. We will talk Packers. We will talk Bears. We'll go around the league and a big matchup Thursday night to kick things off. Badger football, we may just coast by that. The Bucks, decent West Coast road trip. College hoops and the return to the top five. Josh here. I'm Dan. And we are with you for the next hour or so with our thoughts and ruminations on a lot of different things. Which some of them may not be good. Some of them may not be too bad. We'll see how it goes. That's, That's what we do. Pretty much how yeah. it goes every week. Yep. <sighs> All right. So where do we start? Well. How about that- your Bears playing... What was it? How many games and what amount of time was it? Three three games in 11 days. Man. Yeah. For a team that is has a pretty good sight on a division title, that's rough. It's, it's Well, you know, every team kind of has it. That's, and that's the thing, you know? but it's just a matter, and to me, it's just a matter of hours. You know, how it breaks down. Yeah. Everybody has that at some point. It's just a matter of whether you get... You know, a 40, a 48 hours between to prep or before you leave for a road trip or even if you don't have to travel, it's still not that much time to recover. No. And, um, you know, and some teams get the they get the gauntlet of their schedule in, in September, October or, or maybe in the middle of the season or sometimes even at the end when you get kind of into some of those division games to end the season. But um, they started it off on the right foot. Yes, that's for sure. I was listening to uh, Mark Tauscher, and I guess we could do this when we get to talking about the Packers on why exactly the league flexed that game to the 325. And I, I don't think he took into account the fact that Fox had the game of the week, but if CBS wanted an afternoon feature game to rival that, that's why the league did it, because there's deals between Fox and CBS of which sure. conference they're going to carry, depending on who's the home team, if AFC plays NFC um, at home or away, vice versa. So if, I mean, the Packers are a big national draw, so I, I thought he kind of missed that. It might have been a network thing, not necessarily a big national audience thing. You sure. know, you yeah. know what I mean? Yep. It's That's just kind of what was necessary. But I, I mean, I agree, it's not... You know, when you say, woo, Packers and Dolphins, three, yeah. 325. I'm not sure that great got the masses too <laughs> thrilled. I mean, you know, a couple of 500-level teams, that, you know, but. That's about it. Yeah. So, Detroit and Chicago, you uh, you had texted me that uh, when I wasn't watching, you said I was missing the best game from Mitch Trubisky so far this season. Yeah. I or, or of his career. Of his career, yeah. I, I definitely thought so. Um, granted Detroit, uh, their secondary is a little banged up. They were missing their top corner and, uh, they are an atrocious football team. (laughs) 
But uh, Trubisky, he looked good. You know, he, the his timing was better. He was hitting guys in stride and allowing his receivers in Robinson and Miller to make plays after the catch. You know, a lot of times what you see with the Bears is um, a lot of completions and then the receivers are going down immediately because the ball is just not placed where these guys can make plays. But I thought this uh, this past Sunday was definitely the best that I saw from him since he's been a Bear. And it's nice to have Khalil Mack on defense because then it seems to elevate the play of everyone else while he's still wreaking havoc. Yeah, and I thought the Bears did a smart thing um, the previous two weeks in sitting him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that anytime you got a guy like that, um, there's the temptation is to to just tape it up. You know, he had an ankle injury. Just tape it up and play. You know, shoot him up with the the horse tranquilizers or whatever it is yeah, these right. guys take and. You know, but they, they you did. had you had said it though; those games were not crucial. When you start that run of the three straight division games, that's when you need the guy. Well, they weren't crucial for the division race. I mean, the, specifically, sure, sure. I mean, but they still they were three and three at the time. They yeah. they really needed to win those games against teams that they should beat. Um, but they were fortunate to win the games and uh, and to get Mac back on the field. He had two sacks, and you know, just his general presence. I, you know, I, not to get hyperbolic here, I, and I know yeah. when they played the Patriots the, a couple of weeks ago, you know, a lot of the media had asked Belichick about Mac and comparing him to Lawrence Taylor, and and you know Belichick, and rightfully so, said you know, well, you know, slow down, he, he's not that guy. But I'll tell you what, the, uh, there's not a lot of defensive ends that I can remember in the last twenty years that just command the attention that he does. I mean, him being on the field, all of a sudden, Leonard Floyd gets a sack. Um, you know, uh, the the D linemen, Goldman and, and uh, Akeem Hicks are a little more effective. Now the the secondary can play a little bit um, tighter than they, they might have the previous couple weeks because the pass rush is different. So um, just the overall effect, for, you know, forget the two sacks that he had, just the overall effect that he has on the defense is, is huge for them. When you have to account for somebody and it, it, it goes into the scheme of what an offense wants to run by, you always need to know where he is yes. on the field. That's a big deal. It's like the, it, it's, you know, it was the, the Randy Moss effect when he was on the field for the Vikings and the Patriots in his prime, where it's like, you know, wherever he's lined up now. Everybody on that side of the field is looking. Maybe they're not looking right at him, but they're looking out of the corner of the eye. They know where he is, and then all of a sudden it opens everything up for everything the guys else. underneath, yes. the tight end and things of that nature. Well, it's nice also you have guys that can produce because it seems like, uh, I mean, correspondingly to Green Bay, you've got defensive tackles on the inside with Daniels and Kenny Clark eating up double teams, which should free you up with some of your better guys like Clay Matthews to go one-on-one. And guys can't get home. Yeah, and I, you know, are, are are they done or what's going on? Or they're not enough good guys because you've got what you want. Those pass rushers and those big bodies inside are eating up. They're taking up two guys. Mm-hmm. How can somebody else not make a play? Yeah, I, and I thought it was amazing this week when I heard that Green Bay is tied for first in sacks. Nobody else has more than five. There's two guys that have five, but nobody else has more than that. So it's the wealth is spread around, but it seems like quarterbacks when they play the Packers just have all day to sit back there. Right. I, I would love to see an alpha guy like Khalil Mack do something on that Packers defense and just to see 
what else it opens up for anybody else. Well, I guess my counter to that would be um, then I guess the Packers should have grown a pair because he was sitting there. I don't dis- and that, disagree. That, that Saints pick yeah. that they got uh-huh. in this draft that they have for next year's draft I mean, that's going to be, what, the 30th pick? I said that 32nd pick? Right. What is that going to do well, you? Okay. I mean, you had Raji and, you know, Matthews in that one. That's that's basically about where you're going to get the value if you want, you know, a comp to that mm-hmm. because he, they had to trade back in to get that. So if you if you can pull that off this next draft and get those two guys and keep Raji in the league or who, whatever his equivalent would be sure. from not retiring, that's a start. Sure. Yeah. So. I don't know. Um, My one concern with the Bears, though, uh, going forward, they've really struggled running the ball the last couple of games. Their they had best fi- lineman's gone. Yeah, 54 yards on 22 carries on uh, on Sunday against the Lions defense that was giving up, I believe, the most yards per game in the NFL. Um, Kyle Long being out, he's not only their best lineman, he was the guy that, you know, on third and short, they were running on the right side of the line. Um, he was the road grader uh, for them. And uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like he's probably going to be back the regular season. Maybe last game or two, if he can, you know, um, maybe even played his last game as a bear. Quite possibly, Mm -hmm. based on his contract and his age and his injury history. But um, you know, Jordan Howard is a nice back. Uh, He's a you know he's a downhill straight line kind of guy that needs a hole to run through. And Cohen, conversely, he's a water bug, but he can't break a tackle. I mean, he he's kind of a if you get if you get solid solid hands on him, if you get a grip on him, he's going going down. down. So um, now you're kind of banking on Trubisky to have to make a lot of plays. Well, which you can get away with that against the Jets, the Bills, and the Lions. It's can we. You know, can you get away with that against the Vikings? There you go. You know, the Saints, the Rams, you know, teams of that. You nature. can do that in the regular season again, you know, against most of your opponents, but playoff football is a different animal. Sure. Are, are you going to be back to throwing on the run and then airmailing guys by 10 yards because you just want to just touch one over his shoulder and it goes, you know, 15 yards downfield and into the waiting arms of a safety, which is in playoffs. Somebody's going to play. Be there. Somebody's going to be know, there. One play usually. can change the whole complexion. What's so. happening with your kicker? Same thing that happened with yours. They played the Lions. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> with, it's the curse of Detroit, I man. Didn't pay, I didn't put that together. Nine missed extra point slash field goals in the two games the Bears and the Packers have played against Detroit. That's just weird. What they got going on there? That's the only thing they got going on because the rest of the team is... Well, you won't be able to kick against us. Man. I tell you what, I... You know, I I don't want to say I've always been a Matt Stafford defender. I guess I've been more of a when when the Lions signed him, you know, two, three years ago to that huge mm-hmm. contract, I wasn't necessarily defending Stafford as I was defending Detroit, where I I, I thought they had to do that. You, you know, they, what else are you gonna do? They had no he was their f- franchise guy. They hadn't had a quarterback in, in years. Um they had made the playoffs a few times. I thought that they kind of were forced into having to give him that contract, but man, you look at it now and the, he just, there's nobody else on that team on either side of the ball. They just got nothing. And and they're asking him to make plays and he's a, he's a nice player, but 
He's not the kind of guy that you can say jump on his back. They got that running back that they really like now, whatever his name is. Yeah, but you know when you're constantly losing, well, it's hard to hey, get a running game. Hey, but we got a good running going. back. Yeah, that's that's right. When you got to throw the ball fifty times a game, yeah, because your running game's not going to keep you in it or win it for you. Right. I mean, the Bears marched down the first two times they had the ball on Sunday and scored with ease, and it, you know it's thirteen to nothing or whatever it was, um, seven minutes into the game. So for the next, you know, two and a half hours, you're playing catch up. Kind of behind the eight ball. Yeah. I saw Parkey kicked at Soldier Field on Wednesday. Yeah. They bought that's that's that would that's the major solution, I guess. Make him sure, make sure he's acclimated to the conditions. Get him down to the stadium and make sure that he doesn't do that again. The which, Bears kicking game since Robbie Gold was was yeah. shown the door there because they didn't want to pay him. Um, has been nothing short of a debacle. They've had, I don't know, three or four or five different guys in there since then. And, you know, Parky was, Parky's been good up until last week. Um, but, man, <laughs> you can't be missing those down the stretch. They're just football too important. Up, right? yeah, well, and I guess that's the only solace you could take if you're him or the Two Bears. Two either way. Yeah, it's not like they're shanks. Right. You know, he's just kind of, they're just coming off his foot a little awkward and didn't get quite the hook he wanted, but we'll see what happens. So it's Detroit and Minnesota coming up on Bears in Minnesota. I'm I'm sorry, uh, Bears in Minnesota coming up on Sunday night. Game was flexed, and that's going to be driver's seat for uh, for the division after that game. And I just saw uh, before we got here, Mm -hmm. the NFL has also flexed the Bears Rams game to Sunday night. Um, week 14, 15, something okay. like that. So, was that a um, noon start? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more prime time, more inconvenience for you. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Thanks, Goodell, you jackass. <laughs> it's going to be full of football. I don't want to watch football. And, oh, and my bears are on. I guess I'll have to. Got to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you and I had talked about this ooh, day or two ago. You can see on paper when teams need to beat other teams. And I think this is one of those games for Green Bay. You know, you talk to the players, it's like, well, you can't underestimate the coaches say, well, they're a good, they're a good team. And everybody that doesn't play the game, and maybe we're all the ignorant ones, the masses, that we don't think the Dolphins are good and that the Packers should beat them handily, no questions asked. And apparently that's obvious to everybody else but those in each organization. Well, they're lying. I think anytime if you're on the opposing team and you see Brock Osweiler get off the bus in your building, so he's on the road, you should win the game, period. Do you the, think players actually think like that? Yes. I, I just go back to listening to when Charles Woodson used to talk about when they play the Bears. They knew Cutler was going to throw picks, and they were going to have opportunities. The same thing with Osweiler. He's going to turn the ball over. He can't move. He gets happy feet. <laughs> You're going to have opportunities to to make plays against him. And then the, the worst part about it from the Dolphins' point of view was they actually moved the ball well on Green Bay, especially in the first half. They just couldn't score. You know, Osweiler's not a good enough player on the road to be able to make the plays. You know, you can't win on the road in the NFL kicking field goals. You just, you know, 99 out of 100 times, you just can't do it. So, and I give the Packers credit. I thought it was one of their better games of the year. 
But um, you you have to take into account the opponent for part of that. I mean, yeah, of course. That, that's some of Green Bay doing what they're supposed to do and some of the opponent letting them have their way sure, with them. But they, you know, the Dolphins get paid too. So, I understand. You know, I mean, uh, and the Packers haven't exactly been lighting the world on fire on either side no. of the ball. So any any good things that you can take away from them, I think you you have to do that. I thought the defense, you know, um like I said, the they were Dolphins were able to move the ball on them, but I thought they did a good enough job of of bending and not breaking. Um, there were a couple times when you know it looked like the Dolphins could have grabbed the lead, or you know they came back in the third quarter a little bit and cut the lead down, and and uh, the Packers were able to do a good job of of kind of pushing that back. We'll see how much Aaron Jones plays going forward um, as far as getting. The bulk of the handoffs you had brought up a couple of false start penalties that that took him out, and then Green Bay put Jabal Williams in, and then they switched to passing with you know Jones two yards away for a hundred. And um, the second time he false started was pretty funny because Rodgers lit him up right there on the field. He, he, he turned to him and he's like, "What are you?" You could tell he was like, "What are you doing? You're he, standing next to me." Like how? Like <laughs> it's not like you're a lineman and you're not seeing behind you. You're standing right next to me. You know, come on. Well, you and I had that discussion about what what your relation is to the quarterback on the field and whether that matters or you're just listening for the snap count um, and all that. And I, I just don't think just because he's standing next to the quarterback, if I'm Rodgers, I'm saying, why don't you know the count? Well, Mor- sure, what, moron. whatever it is. Yes. You know. Well, well, I, mean, I mean, you can get after a lineman, you can get after, you know, a receiver for not knowing the count, but you're... And I think probably his frustration was more like, we see how you're doing in this game. You can't be doing this stuff because you need to be performing at the level you're supposed to. But don't you think, though, with that, and and I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I don't really care if he gets 100 yards or not. Right. It's not on my fantasy team. Um, But there are certain positions in football that you can't make those mistakes. You, if you're a head football coach, you can't have your wide receiver lining up in the neutral zone. You Correct. cannot have your tight end not covering up yep. the lineman. There's mm-hmm. just little. If your left tackle fall starts because Khalil Mack's across from him, okay, that'll happen. Mm-hmm. But there's certain positions on the field. It's like a quarterback. When a quarterback gets called for a false start or a legal motion, or legal procedure, it's like that can't happen. There are just certain guys at certain positions. I think that. It can't happen, and when it's your rookie year or second year running back, doing a false start when he's standing next to the quarterback he, he, in in the pistol. Yep. I know you've had a nice game, kid, but you know, come here and no. sit down next to me. I mean, I I guess I would attribute that partly to youth. I'm I'm not going to be on board with the certain positions that that's just not supposed to happen. Um, I'm you brought up a good point. You don't see that a whole lot in the NFL from that position, so I, I don't know whether. I'd be also curious to know what kind of play that was and where they were expecting pressure from if it was a pass. Because Jones has been known not to be a good uh, blitz pickup man. And that's why they ultimately had Montgomery and Williams in over him on certain plays because they're better at that. So if he's freaking out because he's got to pick up one of the linebackers that they know is going to shoot through a gap and he wants to get a jump start on it, that's a little more justifiable to me. Can you still do it? No, but... I would just want a little bit more context about then why that's happening combined with his youth. That's all I'm saying. Sure. But, you know. Well, he's supposed to have a no. Yeah, I mean, you just can't but you, I, you can't do that. I, I guess I don't separate the running back at a, at a 
uh, getting a false start too much further from any other position. I mean, you, you you bring up some good points with the wide receiver and the you know and the left tackle, but uh, that that to me is just either a sign of youth, and I'd like to know what else is going on in the field before I. I guess I make that. Well, good luck finding make out. That, I, and I know I won't, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, we'll see if Jones had 15 carries. I think Jamal Williams had three for three yards. Um, so going forward, I don't I don't know whether he's going to get the bulk of it if he keeps messing up. I mean, he's he's put one on the deck before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, if these mistakes start to pile up, whether he's your most explosive guy coming out of the backfield or not, how are you going to weigh that given him, given him the rock going forward? Well, and I think that, you know, the the – the flow of the game obviously will dictate some of that as well. You sure. know, he was able to to get a few more carries and kind of gash that defense because the Packers were ahead most of the game. You know, if it's a situation where, you know, they they get down thirteen to three on Thursday against the Seahawks, maybe he's not getting the the touches. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All right, go around the league. Saints are the hottest team, man. Yeah, I kind of changed it up. We kind of been doing good and bad, but yep. I thought we're to the point in the year now where we got some some winning and losing streaks going. Separation on. is starting to get a little bit a little bit better, and yeah. the Saints that have you know they dropped that game against Tampa Bay, and everybody scratches their head, and now they've rolled off eight wins in a row, and you're like, what Tampa Bay game? Well, and we talked about it in week one. That happens every year. Somebody that you think stinks. Goes and beats somebody that you think is going to be good, and you're like, "Oh, were we wrong? No, we weren't wrong." Need Tampa bigger, Bay stinks. Need a bigger sample size yeah, than the just, Saints are good. Just one week. Uh, your Chargers have won six in a row. Mm-hmm. The Texans have won six in a row. Shocking. After they they what they started zero and three, I think mm-hmm. Is that what it was, and now yep. they've run off six straight. Steelers five in a row. Chiefs four in a row, and then the Bears and the Colts have both won three in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not banking on Indianapolis to be competitive in that division necessarily, but three in a row is three in a row. Well, they're two games behind the Texans. Um, you know, I, the Texans, yeah, they've won six in a row. They could lose six in a row. I mean, I, I don't think they're particularly anything to write home about either, but um, the Pittsburgh one is interesting. The whole Le'Veon Bell situation is I was I was thinking about this today. I don't know that I could think of anybody in any sport in my life that that I can ever remember saying, "You use me too much. I play too much. You give me the ball too much." I mean, Kobe Bryant never said, "Yeah, you know, I just you you guys are running too many plays for me to shoot." <laughs> You know, uh-huh. I've never heard Justin Verlander never said, you know, I, I just really, you guys are just really pitching me too much. It's just, and I know I, I get his point where it's, you know, I'm touching the ball 350 times and I'm making 12 million and Antonio Brown only touches the ball 110 times and he's making 19 million. So that's not right. I get that. And I know the shelf life of a running back is short, but. I don't know. I I think this whole thing has completely backfired on him. I think it's going to hurt him in free agency next year. I think any team that looks at him has to think to themselves, "What are we getting into? Is this guy really all in? Is he about us or is he about him?" Um, it can't be about money. There's fourteen and a half million dollars he just gave up. If it's about money, I guess it's a, it, it's it about the long term so, security. Money. Yes. A- absolutely, yes. and like I understand that, but. Uh, and, and he probably wants it to pay off over the long term, and he wants to feel safe, and he probably wants a lot of it guaranteed. That being said, 
it's still $14.5 million right. that you're willing to give up and sac- and potentially sacrifice. There's no telling if you don't play for a year. Not everybody's Adrian Peterson, who apparently has the shelf life of a Twinkie. Right. Crazy. Uh, you know? Yeah. Uh, th- there's Guy's no- bionic. Yeah. There's no telling that you're going to be able to come back next year and perform at the level you have at the time, two years ago, when you last touched the field. And I heard Chris Carter this morning talking about it, and he said that, you know, nobody, no NFL team is probably going to give him more than like a three-year, $39 million deal, kind of like what David Johnson got with the Cardinals. Um, That would take Bell to age 30 if he got a three-year deal. Um, But, you know, who, I mean, you look around the NFL, who's going to pay that? Who needs a guy like that? Who who are you looking at in the NFL going, boy, there's the missing piece? Maybe the Packers, but would you give Le'Veon Bell $13 million when you got a guy like Aaron Jones? I also wouldn't want him on my team. Well, right. I mean, uh, you're... The guys in the Steeler locker room have, have not been happy with him this year at all. Why do you want to add that volatility to a locker room when you're trying to build a Super Bowl contender? Exactly. I mean, it's great that he's a good player and on the field he might help you get wins, but... And the fact that you can't count on him, you don't know what he's going to do on a week-to-week basis. That is a perfect landing spot to me, Raiders. Yes. That's the kind of guy they've always gone after, the disgruntled star player. They'll overpay him, and he will go there and be fine, but not really matter because the team's no good. You know, And that's the other thing, too. Like You're on the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're on one of the four probably premier teams in the league. You have an opportunity pretty much every year for the last 12 to contend for a Super Bowl. And you're just going to throw away a year of your prime? To go get thrown money? For a maybe? Right. And to maybe get thrown money from a bad team. And if it's about money, you're going to go there and you're going to stink. And then you're going to be unhappy again. Then you're going to be on the Bengals and you're going to be looking around going... I got Dalton next to me. <laughs> where's really? Ben? Where's Roethlisberger? Where's, Where, ben? where's Antonio Brown? Where's my defense? You know, I mean, I don't know. Just it, I just thought it was pretty interesting how that all played uh, out. I, I don't disagree whatsoever. Um, Jets are still on Green Bay's schedule. We go to the other flip side teams that have are in the midst of losing streaks. The Jets have lost four. The Jaguars, the Raiders, the Giants have all lost five in a row. Um, I guess I don't. Well, the Giants won what last night or Monday night? Monday night. So yes. that's that streak right. is well, broken. But that's but... done. But they did lose. Yeah. Um, and then the Lions, the Buccaneers, and the Ravens have dropped three in a row. But I... the surprising one for the casual fan, I think, would be Jacksonville losing five in a row. But considering they were just in the AFC that, Championship that game last, last year, was kind of a fluke. Is it as big as a fluke as a Super Bowl champion, though? No. No. I don't I, think so. I, I think it's the biggest fluke in NFL history. Eagles? Yeah. Them winning the Super Bowl last year. I went back and looked. I did a little research, and I was trying to find a team that, you know, the two or three years prior, they had stunk, and then they, they won the Super Bowl, and then the next couple of years, they weren't very good. There really wasn't anybody like that. Um, there were a couple teams that made it and lost, you know, the Bengal, a couple of Bengals teams in the 80s weren't very good uh, prior to making the Super Bowl, and then they kind of fell off a cliff. Um, you had the Rams. They got good. They made mm-hmm. the two Super Bowls, and yep. then they fell off a cliff. Um, but 
last year was just, you know, your star goes down, the backup comes in, your, Lights the your, world your, on fire. your defense is playing out of its mind. You got guys making plays like you got Corey Clement, who I didn't even think was going to make the league, who's scoring all these touchdowns. You win the Super Bowl with your backup. You know, Tom Brady throws for 500 yards in a Super Bowl and you still beat him. I don't know that you could get flukier than that. It's just, I and I know they've been hurt this year and Wentz is coming back off the knee injury, but they have really looked bad. It's, I'm trying, yeah, that story is, is, I mean, that's, that's a genuine, genuinely interesting story. Um, as far as what's going on in the league this season, I continue to be fascinated by the dismantling of the Raiders. <laughs> that fascinates me. Yeah. Be, well, because you've given a coach such a long contract, you've given him complete authority to do whatever you want. And basically, I don't know. I would want to know what the, the owner's meeting is like when you keep getting rid of good players and you keep losing games. Like, do you walk into Gruden's office and be like, you got to tell me what's going on here and what argument or what philosophy or what game plan, whatever you want to say, has Gruden told Davis to be like, you got to trust me on this. This is what I'm planning. This is what's going to happen. It's going to get ugly for a couple of years but we're going to have a new stadium. I'm going to I'm going to bank all these picks. Hopefully we're going to hit on some of them and we're going to have a team of good young players that hopefully will be good for years before we got to try and sign everybody. Well, I think that has to be the thinking is, you know, we everybody in Oakland is already pissed off at us because we're moving. Mm-hmm. So who cares What's, if we give them a good product for the to, next two years? Do we have to worry about alienating our fan base right. anymore? They got to be they're probably looking at a team like the Rams. And going, they were a dumpster fire in St. Louis. Yep. And then they moved to LA right as they're getting good and they get Goff and Gurley and right. Donald. And now you're the hottest ticket in town. So if you're the Raiders, maybe you're sitting there going, All right, we're gonna suck for two years. We're gonna bank a whole bunch of draft picks. And then when we get to Vegas, we're gonna be good right away. In theory. And they're going to have money to spend. Exactly. So if you can land a top-tier free agent and the guys that you drafted are hitting mm-hmm. and they're not making that much money right out of the gate, then you've got something to work with. But that's that's the key. I mean, what, you can't what bank evidence on do right. we have None. of John Gruden being able to draft? I, you know, when he coached um, that Raider team originally. the Raiders in general? But when he coached the Raiders originally, that was a veteran team. Yes, then he went to Tampa Bay when he won the Super Bowl with a veteran team. And then when all those guys in Tampa got old, what happened to the to the team? They were terrible and Gruden got fired. So maybe he just wants them to try and stay as young as they can. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I it's just it's you know It's interesting. It's one of those, you know, like you said, it's one of those franchises that if you mention the Raiders, I mean, that's that's a storied NFL franchise, Absolutely. no matter whether it's been in L.A. or whether it's been in Oakland. Yep. And now it's going to be in Vegas. And just the fact that it, you know, the silver and black now is just an embarrassment. And people are saying this guy can't coach. He can't manage. Or what, and he's not even through his first calendar year through it all. And people are already just writing him off. He, when, whenever I've watched him in any interviews this year, he kind of seems I don't want to say that he doesn't care that they're losing, but I think he's fine with it. I don't you know, normally when you think of Gruden, you think of this fiery guy. I haven't seen that. 
that might come out in three years exactly. when, he, when, when he's when, got a product to when work with. When there's a little pressure. There's yeah. no pressure on him right now. So, yeah, okay, whatever. We go 2-14. and 14, And he's fine. also got kind of that smirk like, I know what's going exactly. on. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I know it. I ain't got to tell you. No. But you know it. You you can guess, and you probably have, but I ain't going to admit it. Right. But that's what... So that that to me is... is I did not it's just, have <laughs> sexual relations. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, the week starts Thursday night. Man, I Roger said it uh, in his interview before they flew to Seattle on Tuesday. Uh, first trip back since that playoff collapse with Brandon Bostic and that whole debacle that got him released. Um, and the Seahawks are they're okay. It's an elimination game. You think so? Absolutely. This is it. Absolutely. Whoever loses ain't making it. Well, if the Packers lose, they're at five losses. If the Seahawks lose, they're at six losses. You think uh, they're catching the Rams to begin with? No, not to win the division. Wild card. Yes. Okay. Um, they're both right there kind of on that 6-7 line right now in the standings. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think whoever loses this game is really behind the eight ball because not only do you have five or six losses, but you've also lost the tiebreaker with whichever one of these teams you know stays at five losses. So, uh, Seattle, I don't know what to make of. Is it weird do they that just, I... Do they just play well against the Rams because it's like their rival? Or is that who they are becoming? Are they getting better? I don't know who they are. I don't know who's on the team aside from Russell Wilson. I could have named you a ton of guys on offense and a ton of guys on defense a couple of years ago. Yeah. Nobody's left Not many. From, from that. Not many. No, I mean... It, Wagner on defense. Yeah. Um, one of their other linebackers, you know, they got a, they got a bunch of randos playing running back, kind of whoever's healthy. Um, I think is Baldwin still there, or is sure. he hurt? Maybe I don't even know. That's what I mean. So I, it, they've they have dropped from, you know, the upscale notoriety of the league to down just kind of in the middle. But Russell Wilson, though, against Green Bay in Seattle, has been able to pull some wins out of the deep, deep, deep cavity of his colon. <laughs> and I don't know whether it's the fail Mary or it was the, the onside kick in the in the NFC Championship game. They've had weird games out well, there that the Seahawks have probably, I mean, they, Green Bay should have won both those games. Yes. And they didn't. I, so, I, I don't really expect anything different no. on Thursday night. No, that, I, I, I really think, don't. I think if you know for the Packers to win, I think you're going to have to see a vintage Rodgers game. I think you're going to have to see one of those you're, we're, three and a quarter, three touchdown. I'm not letting you beat us, right? Exactly. I mean, this is all on me. Watch me work my stuff. Yep. And the defense is going to have to come up with some sort of a stop at some point, which is going to be either a turnover or a third and two and something, you know, mm-hmm. or fourth and two. They go for it, and somehow it they 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 make a stop, and I. It's going to have to come down to a couple of different plays. I think this is the game, if you're a Packer fan, if you've been waiting for the Jimmy Graham breakout game, I think this is the game just because I don't think he left Seattle feeling good about his time there. Probably not. Considering how, you know, the combination of their way of using him and his poor play. Um, so that might be something they could try to take advantage of. But I think that, you know, it's probably a 20-17 to 17 yeah. Type game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of other good games this week. Uh, Washington's in, in the NFC East driver's seat. Which is just ridiculous. It, it, it really is. Because they're not good. 
They're not good. They've got two quality players in Alex Smith and, and Peterson. Peterson's passed his prime. And Smith hasn't been that. He's been well. all right. He's been okay. He, he, you know what, though? He's one of those guys, he just wins games. Somehow his teams win games. Is he a Badger quarterback? Kind of. <laughs> but other than that, that defense has been a little leaky. It was good for the first four or five games of the season. It was highly ranked. I mean, if Tam- um, Tampa had the same problem the Dolphins did on Sunday, they just couldn't score a touchdown. I mean, they had tons. I think Fitzpatrick threw for 400 yards. They scored yes, three points. Yep. That's crazy. You can't do that. No. Um, and then, as we mentioned, the Texans have won six in a row, but that, that's now you're at a road game, and Washington is, you know, a couple of games over 500 and winning its division. So I, that's a tough one to me yeah. to call. Yeah. Um, Bengals in Baltimore – You've got the newest member of the Cincinnati staff, your Jesus. boy Hugh Jackson. Wow. <laughs> Friends of the program, I yeah, guess. Yeah, that's what it you is. Know. Hey, do you need a job? Right. Jesus. We we seem to have an opening. So the Ravens are hosting Cincy. You've got Philly and New Orleans. This could be, I mean, just close the book on Philly yeah, for this year. For sure. I mean, if, Especially if, if, if Washington wins. Now you'd be right. three games behind. And if New Orleans just mops the floor with them. And I don't see a reason why they wouldn't at home. And the, the way that the Saints have been playing. yeah. Um, your game, Minnesota-Chicago at Soldier. It's the uh, it's the Sunday night game. Again, driver's seat in the uh, in the NFC North. I'm praying. Pretty much. I'm praying for a close game down the stretch with the Bears holding a slim lead and Kirk Cousins has to make a play because I think the Bears will win that game then. I just don't. I've never seen Kirk Cousins in a clutch moment Come through, win a game for his team. You just haven't seen it. Um, closest was closest was that Packer, Packer game, game when he made that one throw that I still don't know how the hell Thielen caught on the <laughs> sideline there, where it like went through five Packers. Yeah, arms oh, and, he and then they it. just basically. But yeah, no, I don't I, know. I've got, that, I got you. That, that's not a, that wasn't a good play by Cousins. That was an no. Inter- that, that's an interception nine out of ten times. Should be but. if he had some people who knew what the hell they were doing. But you're right. Uh, the game not in Mexico. It's going back to L.A. is the Rams and the Chiefs. Another that's a quality, quality game. That that you know the game of the week. I wonder if that ship has sailed. That that whole plan in Mexico thing. Well, I mean, if you're the you, NFL, you that that cannot happen. You can't keep holding concerts and no. soccer games and then expect expect to play an NFL game three days later with guys making millions of dollars and worried about and injured, blowing yeah, out their knees. Can't no. That's 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 just a bad idea. I mean, they they were you know the th- and not only that, this is probably the best matchup it is. in the entire regular season. Yes. You know we had the Rams Saints one a couple that, weeks that was, ago that was good. Yep. But this is the one where you're like this could be a super what, potential what, Super Bowl I, preview. I think the biggest over under since 1986 in this game. Really? I think the over under is like 65, 66 points. Um, so yeah, this is going to be highly, highly, highly entertaining. Um. They moved it to L.A., is yes, that what you said? Coliseum. So, interestingly enough, it'll probably be a Chiefs home game because their fan base is insane and will travel on short notice. Well, is this going to be like the Packers where it was might be. 60-40 in favor of the uh, the opponent? Very well might be. I'd, I'll be interested to see how much red there is then at that stadium. So, that is the week in the NFL past and present. We don't have to touch on the Badgers too uh, too much, I guess. Um, woof. Yeah. Woof, I, that's woof, woof. kind of what I expected. Um, I mean, they, just, 
the uh, <laughs> they haven't taken the reins off of of Jack Cohn well, to go more yeah, than I didn't watch a ton of it, but at one point he had like 19 yards passing in the third quarter, yeah, that's, and that's the second time that's happened this year. The first yep. was at Michigan with Hornerbrook, where he had like 25 at one point yep. in the fourth quarter. That's embarrassing. I, I don't know if guys are getting not getting open downfield, whether you're whether he's afraid to pull the trigger, whether he's too quick to go to his checkdowns, whether the line's not giving him enough time to throw the ball. I I don't know. But for people that have screamed for him, now you're hearing the same people. This guy sucks. Well, we talked about it last week. It's it's a program problem. It's not a it's not a Hornibrook cone problem. It's something that's been going on there for a long time and I you keep know. up on the uh, the bowl predictions every Sunday or Monday when the uh, the week of the college football season is out, and they're they're either saying it's the Pinstripe Bowl in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium or the Gator Bowl, which also seems a little bit too high for me. And before, I wasn't even worried about the Paul Bunyan's axe game against Minnesota, and then the Gophers just whoop Purdue up and down the field. Well, yeah, those the last two teams they play, they still got stuff to play yeah. for. Yeah, so. So now, I mean, they're on the road in West Lafayette on Saturday. That's a two thirty kick. But if the if the if the Badgers play, you know, the seventh place Big Twelve team in the Pinstripe Bowl yeah. in Yankee Stadium, I don't care. <laughs> oh, it's it's a lost season. Uh, to me, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Don't tell me that it matters. Don't tell me that no. it matters for recruiting. Don't tell me that it matters for the players that are coming back the following year. The storyline no. of the year no. was that it. It was a lost year and you underachieved. Yes. Whether it was outside expectations or your own. Yep. If you like football like you do and you watch I'm all the bowl watch. games, of course more, I'm more, watch. more power to yep. you. But but it's it, but it's not going to be crucial no. if because and no matter what happens, I want to see him keep Paul Bunyan's axe. You can lose by forty to Purdue. It doesn't matter. You keep the axe. That's a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Then you go to a bowl game and all I would want is you don't get embarrassed. Sure. That's about it. Yep. That that's all I have left. Yeah. To wish for the season. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's rough. It is. Yeah. It really is. Um Eesh. all right. Turning to some more positivity that's happening over in Milwaukee. We're gonna get to go to the Fiserv in uh in about a week and call a, a high school basketball game. Mm-hmm. I'm kinda anxious yeah. to see that it's and especially see where they put us. But um the Bucks heading into Wednesday night, uh, unbeaten at home, ten and three, two and two West Coast road trip, which is weird. I was talking to somebody else, um, uh, who was a Bucks fan, and they kind of did the whole well on that trip. They they beat who I thought they were going to lose to, and they lost to who I thought they were going to beat. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, they should have won. They should have beat the Clippers yes. last Sunday. Um, that was one that they let get away. But um, the the nice thing for me is that they recognized that they recognized they didn't play well the first game of the trip in Portland, and they did not lose back to back. Um, to to go 500 on that trip, that's I think that's fine. Um, you kind of got a glimpse of what these guys can be last Thursday against Golden State. Um, I know they didn't have Draymond, Draymond Green. Yep. Curry got, got hurt yep. late in the game, but when Curry got hurt, the game was all but decided. I mean, the Bucks throttled them, and um, they <laughs> they're fun to watch. I mean, this team plays hard. They play together. They play smart. Uh, it was fun on the road trip to see a couple of different guys step up. It wasn't just the Giannis Middleton right. show. Um, you know, Bledsoe Bledsoe was great at the end of the uh, the Clipper game. He's he hit a big three to send them into overtime. 
Um, Did well, Lopez hit the Lopez is just the record for three pointers for a guy over yeah. six eight or I six mean, nine he, or something? He turned into the seven foot Jimmy Chitwood just <laughs> shooting thirty five footers, and it's so funny to watch him do that because he's so big that he's all he's doing is flicking his wrist. There's no nothing else is going into it. It's just all wrist. And uh, I think he hit seven or eight the other night, and and then Pat Connaughton off the bench, who uh, they picked up this summer, kind of an under the radar. I don't move. even know who that is. Like, he, uh, like, who's this guy? Yeah, kid played at Notre Dame. Uh, actually, is currently under contract with the Baltimore Orioles minor league staff. Really, ninety six mile an hour fastball. Okay, so a hell of an athlete. Uh, but he came in in the in the couple of the games, especially in Golden State, and gave him really good minutes. So. They're getting contributions up and down the roster, which you know you can't you haven't seen out of a lot of Buck teams in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, Grizzlies on, on tonight. Uh, yep, yep on, on on Wednesday night. The Bulls. We're going to go to the Denver game uh, next week after Thanksgiving. Then you got. Phoenix, or we'll be or no we'll Phoenix. Be the I'm Phoenix sorry. Game. Yes. Yeah. yeah I'm, right. I'm going to Portland You're, Wednesday. Yep. And then Phoenix is next Friday. We'll be at that one. Yep. And then the Spurs. So you got a nice. Six-game homestand. There's a couple of teams out of the West that are going to give them some problems. They lost to the Blazers out there. Yep. The Portland-Denver one's in the middle there. Denver will be looking for some revenge. They knocked them off the other day, and Bucks conversely, uh, looking for some revenge on Portland. But Phoenix, Chicago, Memphis, those are those are games you should take care of business. The Spurs are always tough. Um, but it, it's it's a heck of a start. It's it's a good start, and, and to be seven games over five hundred. Um, at this point in the season, you know, I know it's people say it's still early, but you know, we're over 10% of the seat way into the season. So, um, big trade. I was going to say, when do they get to play the 76ers again? When do we get to see Jimmy Butler? Uh, not for a little bit. Okay. Um, that that's a big trade him going to the, to the Sixers. It really makes it imperative now for me, uh, that the bucks get one of the top three seeds in the East. Um, you don't want to be in that four or five game. Four or five series. Um, you've got the Celtics, the Raptors, the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Pacers, who are all good teams. Um, that's just something that would be nice to be avoided if you could maybe get a Charlotte or, or a Miami in the first round, sure. be a little bit easier. Because I think the Bucks as a franchise really need to to win a series. Um, Giannis needs to win a series to kind of really put himself. You know, people talk about him as one of the top players in the league. For me, talent wise, yes, but until he does something in the playoffs, you can't really put him in that upper echelon. You got that's where guys make their money, make their name, and um, I don't know much about basketball. I read some of the details of the trade. What did Minnesota get in return? A bag, a sack of marbles? They got two guys in Robert Covington and Dario Sarch who are good players. Um, Sarch is the better of the two, but they got sixty cents on the dollar, but. It could turn out that it ends up being a really good trade for Minnesota, especially if Butler leaves at the end of the year and does not re-sign in Philly. Um, so that remains to be seen. I think it. I think it's addition by subtraction for for them. Um, now the these guys they got back are young, early twenties. I think Sarch is like 23, 22. Good Euro, big. Um, you put him with Towns and Wiggins. Now you've got a solid young foundation going forward. And Butler got his way. You know, he wind himself out of out of Minnesota. We've Man. seen that. Paul George did it a couple years ago. Um, but I didn't. Butler did it. I guess going into the league when I follow, you know, I noticed him out of obviously out of Marquette and going to the Bulls, and I I, I didn't see his natural progression or his growth. But all of a sudden, one year, 
you know, he gets mentioned in the offseason, he's going to be demanding a max contract. And I just kind of went, I didn't know he got to be that good and he got to be that upper echelon in the league where you can do that. And now it's full-on diva treatment when he wants to get out of a place that he doesn't like. It was almost one of those too much, too fast, you know, because when he came into the league, he was the last pick of the first round and he was kind of seen as a role guy. And then because the Bulls had so many injuries, he was kind of forced into playing. And he, you know, to his credit, he he really worked hard and developed into a good player. But um, this, you know, it, the, the NBA and the NFL. In the NFL, you hold out. In the NBA, you cry. It's the same thing. It's just a different way of doing, <laughs> doing it. it. So um, he got his way. We'll see what happens. Those are Embiid and Simmons and Butler are going to be three big personalities, and there's only one ball. So. We'll see. I haven't been keeping up too much, but I obviously read the headlines like most Americans do in the in the news and just try and uh, figure stuff out from there without actually reading the entire story. When you see that winning usually solves everything, it's kind of weird that one of the teams that has won a lot of games over the last few years apparently has, you know, internal personnel issues like what's going on in Golden State. What what is what's happening there? Well, I think it's I think it's a combination of these guys now have been together for a while. You tend to sometimes get sick, sick of, of each other. You know, when you hang out with your same friends all the time, sometimes you just you get tired of them. Um Draymond Green's a big mouth. Kevin Durant is the most thin-skinned athlete this side of Aaron Rodgers. Um <laughs> the guy has got rabbit ears and he's very sensitive. Allegedly, Draymond Green brought up Kevin Durant's impending free agency in their argument on the bench in the middle of a game, which is completely, which is really why he got suspended last night. That's that's out of line. Um, and Durant, as he is certainly allowed to do, has not come out and said, "Yes, I'm staying." No, I'm not staying. Nobody says that. Nobody now. says that now. Uh, most people seem to think that he's going to leave. Uh, where he goes, nobody knows. But you know. Is it a big deal? Not in the short term, I don't think. You know, they're still going to win 60-plus games. They're still going to probably make the finals, barring uh, a catastrophic injury to one of their guys. But, um, you know, that stuff kind of runs its course. Um, guys, you know, usually in, in – Cowherd said it today. In the NFL, dynasties break up because of coaches leaving, guys get old, and free agency – in the NBA, it's usually ego, and there's a lot of ego on that team. There's four all-stars on that team. Um, there's two guys in Curry and Durant who are top 25 all-time players. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll it's see. amazing that Steve Kerr's been able to well, manage gonna all that. To, he's going to earn his, his money. money. And when and they haven't even <laughs> in, in, ingratiated uh, DeMarcus Cousins into that yet, the most combustible guy in the league. So he's supposed to come back, you know, around the first of the year from his Achilles tear, I'll, I'll and uh, have my popcorn in my lap when that happens. Man, and... that that could be <laughs> must see TV, yeah, right? Yeah. All right, let's switch gears to uh, college hoops as we are uh, coming to the close here. You got Marquette two and zero, Indiana's two and zero. They're playing on Wednesday night. Um, pretty good start for Howard in in two games. He's averaging. His average is pretty darn good for, yeah. for the Golden Eagles. Well, he had 37 points in 28 minutes the other night against yeah, the Little Sisters of the Poor that well, they played. But That's pretty much what a lot of these early games they are. are. They are. I mean, and, what uh, Indiana had Montana State and 
somebody else. I can't even. I mean that. Okay, great. You're two and zero. Oh, big deal. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's hard but, to gauge at this it point. Is, but, but still, people are expecting big things from Marquette in the Big East this they are, year. They are. And, uh, you know, the, a lot of people don't put stock in, you know, polls and stuff like that. But when you crack the top 25 for the first time in your coach's tenure with the school, mm-hmm. you're clearly trending in the right direction. No question. Um, and we talked about it a little last night. You know, I, I am not a fan of the grad transfer rule in college sports. And Marquette had to go that route the first couple years with Wojo there just mm-hmm. because they had you know when Buzz Williams left they had guys transfer he he had not done a good job recruiting his last year so they didn't have a lot of bodies and finally Wojo has kind of got this thing rolling where they've got a full complement of guys and some depth um so yeah it's it's exciting should be a good game tonight against uh against the Hoosiers and um Presbyterian on deck Presbyterian on deck you know <laughs> got to get it. and then after that then they got Kansas Oh. Who's number one in the nation yep. right now? So um, you're gonna get into a lot of these holiday tournaments yeah. and stuff like that around Thanksgiving. Yep. So uh, Badgers get a road win over Xavier. Um, I know we had talked to our our Badger beat guy Ben Wargle, and he said Xavier's down. Mm-hmm. Chris Mack left. Mm-hmm. You know that's that he expected this team to go into Cincinnati and win, mm-hmm. um, and they put on a pretty nice performance. But but again, part of that is improvement from one team. Part of it is. The other team being a little bit down than they have been. Yeah, and they're more down, the, the Badgers guards, Trison Davison, shot the lights out, um, and and Hap had a great game. And you know, I was watching last night, and I, I give our our my buddy our buddy Joe mm-hmm. Robinson, I give him grief all the time because he's a big Badger supporter, and and uh, I said, well, you know, Ethan Hap, he was part of Stu Jackson's first recruiting class in '94, <laughs> and he's still there. Uh, but la- last last night watching that game though. He looked like a kid that has been in college for five years. He just looked. He was more polished. He was more. Uh, That's what you he want. Knew, he knew what was going yeah. on. He just. He was by far the best player on the court. So, um, I think the Badgers are going to have a good year. Uh, you know, I, we talked a little bit about it last week. I think the Big Ten as a whole is a little down. They lost a lot of talent from last season. Um, so the Badgers have an opportunity. I don't know that they're going to win the league, but I think they're going to be in the mix, certainly to be in that top four, um, and definitely a, a tournament team. They've got Houston Baptist then after, um, or coming up next on Saturday night, then they're going to the uh, Battle for Atlantis tournament. And then a couple uh, weeks, I think the first first Saturday of December will be the the Marquette-Badger game, and that, that should be a good one, be over at the Fiserv, and um, that's always a, a good rivalry. All right, we didn't have a top five to close out uh, last week. We are always taking suggestions for top fives if you want to uh, comment on our Facebook link for either what Dan and I throw out or um, you can follow us on Twitter as well, Podcast Foul on Twitter. So we have a top five list, our favorite college football teams of all time. Not the best, just the ones we enjoyed the most. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna you're, you're gonna probably sense a pattern with mine, and and that's okay, <laughs> Mister Originality over here. No, it's I asked you, can I just had you just pick all Badger games because I was I was a kid who didn't watch necessarily for the team. I watched for the athlete. If you had a polarizing star, I was a fan of the team. Didn't matter what. But as I got older, I was really a big fan of the underdog of the good story. So that that's sure. kind of where this most of it's going to go. I well, I will say I only have one Badger team on there. Mine are mine are a little older older teams because I watched a lot of college football 
growing up. Mm-hmm. I don't watch much of it anymore. Um, so yeah, be, okay. be interested to see what start, you start. Start with your number five. Number five, I got 1999 Virginia Tech. Okay, the Mike, Mike Vick, Vick team. Right. Um, just never seen a player like that before or since at the quarterback position in college. Um, they ended up losing in the title game to Florida State that year, mm-hmm. um, but they were man, that was a fun team to watch. I couldn't pick among the three, four years that he was with the team because they never really ascended like I thought that they might, but it really started to put them on the map and kind of paved the way for the future of that team and basically elevated them out of the conference they were in at the time. The 97 to 2000 Texas Christian Horned Frogs when they had LaDainian Tomlinson. Okay, sure. I mean, he was, you. not many people talked about him in college. They didn't group him with the major athletes. And I, you know, you look at his stats and what he did against some good opponents. They never made a major bowl. They never played in anything but, you know, the Tiddlywinks bowl or anything like that. But coming out of college, it was like, you know, this guy's going to be really, and he wound up being one of the best running backs in the league yeah, for a long, for a long time. Long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that really got me watching um, TCU whenever I could. Sure. Uh, number four for me, I got the 98 Badgers. Um, Big Ten champs, Rose Bowl champs. Only loss was uh, at Michigan that year. Uh, ended up number six in the country. And uh, that that was that was a really, really good Badger team. Number four for me was the 2012 Northern Illinois team that went to the Orange Bowl, and they got absolutely annihilated by Florida State. Um, but they won the MAC title. I remember watching that game in double overtime against Kent State. Um, Jordan Lynch was the quarterback, I think, and, and you know nothing ever came of a lot of people on that team. But uh, you know, I was I was a big fan of the small team, and that had kept going with some of the some of the smaller teams, the underdogs getting a chance at a BCS bowl game mm-hmm. to try and prove themselves. Unfortunately, this one just didn't really work out. Right, right. <laughs> um, number three, I got the uh, 2001 Miami Hurricanes. I was deb- they they were in the mix for me. Now listen to the. I just wrote down a few of the guys Names. that were on this yep. team. Oh yeah, they're they're. Their running back trio, Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, and Frank Gore, Gore. who's still in playing the in the NFL yes. 17 years later. Amazing. Andre Johnson at wide receiver. Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow at tight end. That's amazing. Ed Reed, Jonathan Vilma, Vince Wilfork, and Antrell Roll on defense. That might be the... That's Got to be in the argument for greatest best, college team of all best time. Best collection of Un- unbelievable of, of pros talent on that team, and they. That's I went really back good. and looked at the scores. They had one game. I think they won by six or seven in the in the um, Big East title game against Virginia Tech. They throttled everybody. They beat Nebraska and I think the Orange Bowl by like twenty five points for Thanks. the national title. So that was a good team. Number three for me was the nineteen ninety five Northwestern team that went to the Rose Bowl. Okay. Um, Darnell Autry at running back, Pat Fitzgerald, who's now the coach. Um, again, it's kind of the underdog, and they hadn't been there. I don't know how long it had been, but decades before they had gone there. And then they, they wound up losing. They put up a good fight, but they wound up losing in the Rose Bowl. But I thought it was a good story to come out mm-hmm. of the Big Ten for for Northwestern to, uh, to go to the Rose Bowl. Number two for me um, in what was my favorite college football season ever. Uh, the 1993 Florida State team. Okay. They won the national title. Charlie Ward, Ward. at quarterback, yep. Warwick Dunn at running yep. back, and Derek Brooks on defense. 
Um, that team had one loss. They lost in a in a classic at Notre Dame, and uh, that was supposed to then. That was like week nine of the season. Everybody thought that was going to be the national title game after. Notre Dame won that game. Then they go out the next week at home and lay an egg and get beat by Stanford <laughs> and uh, don't make it to the national title game. But that was one of those teams. I loved Charlie Ward. Mm-hmm. You know, he was one of the last two sports stars. I want to say Brother Love, uh, Kirsten, has a Charlie Ward jersey. That's that's nice that, if he does. That doesn't fit him anymore, obviously. But, but he was I'm, on. I'm pretty sure he does. It was. It was. Uh, Charlie Ward was the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and then he was on the basketball team with yes. Bob, Bob Sura and Sam Cassell. That was the three man backcourt. <laughs> I mean, and then Bob, and then Charlie Ward went on to have a ten year career in the NBA. Um, just that, that was that was one of my favorite teams. Two thousand six Boise State. For some reason, Boise State had resonated with me even years before. Well, something about playing on the blue. Just because they seemed like always a different team that never really got the accolades, but were kind of up there as you don't want to ever sleep on them. And then finally, with Chris Peterson, they turned a corner with a bunch of guys that nobody wanted, and they mm-hmm. turned them into blue collar dudes, and they were actually really good. Mm-hmm. Jared Zabransky was a quarterback, Ian Johnson was the running back, and obviously the most famous game was in the Fiesta Bowl when they played Oklahoma with Adrian Peterson. They ran the Statue of Liberty yep. and won the game, and then Ian Johnson proposed to his his girlfriend afterwards. But I thought then. And one of the, you know, the morning show, Pete and Joe, Joe was on the field in that end zone when Ian Johnson ran that ball and ran right at him. And you can see Joe on national television in the back of the end zone huh. right at the end of that ball game. Cool. And I thought that that was, that was pretty cool. And that was that kind of set the tone for those mid-majors able to, if you can rise and play with the big boys, we're going to give you a shot. And a couple of teams have done it. Talked about Northern Illinois. Hawaii got their chance. They got demolished by Georgia. Um, so I, those are the kind of stories that I liked, and I, I love the fact that Boise State finally got its chance, and for all the years that Boise State was good, Chris Peterson was always rumored to go to a Notre Dame, Wisconsin, you know, whatever, and he always stayed put, mm-hmm. and he wanted the right job, and now he's got it mm-hmm. in Washington, so yeah. I I, I really like that, that Boise State team. Uh, number one for me, any Ohio State team, uh, no, I'm just kidding, um, <laughs> I think you and I are going to both have the same one here for number one, okay. the 93 Badgers. Got it. Um, yep. The, the, the first, uh, the, the team that kind of set off this 25-year run of success. And, I mean, just to even say that 25 yep. years yep. ago that that happened, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, you know, Terrell Fletcher, Brent Moss before he got arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, uh, Daryl Bevel at quarterback. Yep. You had uh, Barry Alvarez. It was his first first good team. I, I'll never forget they had to win the Big Ten. They played Michigan State in Tokyo. That's right. And they won the game. And I remember it was it was like a weird time. I think it was like on I don't know. It was like on in the morning or yes. something because of the time difference. And I remember watching that and they won the game and they had to fly all the way back from Tokyo to celebrate. Um, because it was one of those Donna, it was a that. it was a Donna a Shalala, Shalala deal special, yeah. where she, you know, the Badgers got a bunch of money for going over there and whatnot. And I mean, little did anybody I think that it would be that, that big of yep. a game. Um, and I think it was a Badger home game, so it should have been at Camp Randall for them to celebrate that. And unfortunately, they had to do it over there. And and then they played a, a very memorable Rose Bowl game. I remember uh, the JJ Stokes yep. fight early on. 
And uh, of course, the the Daryl Bevel scramble at the end of the game um, to to get him the W. That's that was my favorite team. I, I remember watching that that Rose Bowl. That was big um, over at at I don't know how long they had lived in Janesville, but over at uh, over at Uncle Bob's place, we had all gathered for a big party for the you know yeah. He went to Wisconsin. And mom went to Wisconsin. That was that was a big deal well, for and, them. And, and for people our age that can remember, like the Dave McLean, Don Morton era, you used to be able to go to Camp Randall and sit wherever you wanted. Right. There was nobody there. Like you could literally go sit in the end zone, any seat Take you wanted. Take a seat. Yeah. The ushers aren't going to bother you. A little different now. Little well, bit. Well, for the most well, part, for except the most for part. unless you're in the student Noon section. section. <laughs> All right, that is intentional foul for this week. We will try to keep up on a weekly basis, but we got basketball starting. We're going to be busy three, four nights a week. Well, we so. should say ne- next week, uh, next Wednesday, yeah. we'll, we will not be recording next Wednesday. No. We're going to bump it back a day. We'll record Thanksgiving night, and yep. this will drop uh, on Friday. I'll be going to the Black, Bucks game Wednesday night. Black Friday, so. so. Yeah. Yep. Give me something to listen to at 3 in the morning when, when you're the, the idiot in a tent at Best Buy <laughs> to get your freaking camera or something large big flat screen yeah. tv right Jack hopefully, hopefully you won't drop in jesus that's intentional foul for this week thank you for the download you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found and uh enjoy your thanksgiving we will talk next week i'm josh i'm dan have a good rest of whatever time you're listening to this happy turkey day